Welcome to Second Serving, a new podcast housed at Second Presbyterian Church in downtown Richmond, Virginia. I'm your host, Kelly Connolly. Second Serving is a series that invites both local and global organizations, faith leaders, community members, and more to tell their stories. Join me as I listen, grow, learn, and unpack what loving our neighbor truly looks like. Today, we welcome a friend of Second Pres, Dr. Brian K. Blunt. Brian is president and professor of New Testament at Union Presbyterian Seminary for both the Richmond and Charlotte, North Carolina campuses. He was called to this position in 2007 after serving for 15 years as professor of New Testament interpretation at Princeton Theological Seminary. He is a graduate of Princeton Seminary and obtained his BA from the College of William and Mary. After graduating from Princeton, he went on to become the pastor of the Carver Memorial Presbyterian Church in Newport News, Virginia. Additionally, he was William and Mary's first African-American to receive membership in the Alpha chapter of the Phi Beta Kappa Honor Society and went on to receive his Ph.D. in New Testament studies from Emory University in 1992. Blunt served as the president of the Society of Biblical Literature from 2017 to 2018 and served as the president of the Association of Theological Schools from 2018 to 2020. Professor Blunt's primary work has been in the Gospel of Mark, the Book of Revelation, and in the area of cultural studies and hermeneutics. He is also the sole author of six books— Blunt is a frequent, and might I add, outstanding lecturer and preacher, author of numerous articles, and directs adult education classes and congregations here in the Richmond area. He is married to the phenomenal Sharon Blunt, a member of our mission council here at Second, and together they have two children, Joshua and Kaylin. We are so honored to have you here today, Brian, so let's get to it. Welcome, Dr. Blunt. (laughs) Thank you very much, Kelly. It's nice to be here with you. It's so good to see you. Yes, I'm an alum of Union Presbyterian Seminary, so it's nice to see Dr. Blunt here again. Actually, we're a pretty union-heavy church here. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, we're a pretty union-heavy staff here. Myself, Ella, Kay, and Ginger are all union alums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're really glad to have you. Not only are you a friend of the area, but you're a friend of our congregation, your family, our members here, and you guys attend here regularly. So we're glad you're here. Thank you. It's always nice to be with you, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great. So let's start from the very beginning. You know, you, as we heard in this wonderful bio here, you've had quite the journey. You've had quite the career, not only as a preacher, an educator, but now you are an administrator, a president of Union Pres here in the Richmond area and Charlotte campuses. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got here. Well, the journey began with growing up in a Baptist church. Yeah, that's right. You grew up Baptist. Grew up Baptist and had a sense that I would be a Baptist preacher. (laughs) And God, of course, derailed that plan and had other plans in mind. I graduated from seminary as a Baptist and already ordained. Oh, really? Yes, I was already ordained. I had already married my grandmother, as a matter of fact. I was ordained on Saturday um, in 1980. 
and it, I think it was June 1980, and then married my grandmother um, the next day. Oh, so you officiated her wedding? I officiated her wedding. But was that the only wedding you did as a Baptist? That was the only wedding, yes, wow. I did as a Baptist. Yeah, I mean, that's something. That's yeah. noteworthy. So I was looking for a Baptist call and ended up preaching at a Presbyterian church that did not, did not have a minister. And they asked me about six or seven months into my role as director of Christian education there if they were to extend a call to me to become the pastor of the congregation, would I become Presbyterian? Mm. And in that, God's call moved in a unique way, and I became Presbyterian and uh, did my ordination exam exams at Union Seminary. Oh, okay. So I went there to do the Bible content exam and the ordination exams, and mm-hmm. I was accepted with my ordination. So um, I went into Southern Virginia Presbytery, okay. uh, which no longer exists That's after reunion. It's Piva now? It's Piva now. Yeah. Well, actually, Southern Virginia crossed all of Virginia. There were 20 two African-American Presbyterian churches, and they were located throughout Virginia. Okay, wow. So we were in Newport News. We had churches in Martinville, Martinsville, and Danville. So Mm -hmm. I would get up with uh, elders, and we would drive from Newport News to Martinsville or Danville sometimes (gasps) for Presbytery. We'd spend Presbytery that day and then drive back home to Newport News that night. So four to five hours to get to Presbytery, Presbytery all day, then four or five hours back home. That's how committed these people were. That's how committed these people are. We drive a long way. And Presbytery, just for our listeners, Presbytery meetings are just these uh, gatherings of the local churches in in our designated geographical area. Mm -hmm. And and so it was a big geographical area. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, after uh, that, I felt a call to... um, teaching ministry, Mm -hmm. and that's what led me into the Ph.D. program. I thoroughly enjoyed my time teaching as a professor and just have been um, overwhelmed with opportunity of joy and challenge as Mm -hmm. president of Union. It's been a wonderful um, experience to be here in Union because it brings back together uh, um, my desire to do scholarship but at the same time to be pastoral, because as a president of a theological school, it's somewhat like being pastor of a big you know, church with not a lot of boundaries, because I'm going all over the place <laughs> yes. in terms of where I visit people, where alums are. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching in various churches, so I preach a great deal. I don't preach as much as when I was a pastor, but mm-hmm. I preach probably um, every other Sunday, twice a month at least, uh, during wow. the academic year. So I'm on the road a good bit. So it's a big church, and yeah. I have a big, um, diverse congregation. Two campuses, one Two in campuses. Richmond, one in Charlotte. That's right. So I'm going back and forward to that. So it's been a it's been um, a unique ministry in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you pastored in Newport News, and that's where you met your wife, correct? Th- that's right. I met Sharon okay. there. Uh, okay. She was already uh, at the church. She grew up in North Carolina, but went to school at Hampton University and stayed there and was a member of Carver. Oh, great. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, we're certainly glad. I'm certainly glad as an alum that that's how your journey all played out. Because um, one thing that I loved about going to Union was it is this kind of large church feel, but it's a close-knit community. Mm -hmm. And one of the um, descriptions I heard someone used to talk about Union was the the community there is deep and wide. I think that's a very good description. And mm-hmm. when we talk to students now as they graduate, you were a graduate, as yeah. they graduate and we ask them what um, they remember most or what they would describe if they could use one word to describe their experience at Union. And most of the time people mention community. Community. 
Yeah. Community and sleep deprived, um, I might add, but... <laughs> well, that goes with being in community. That you know, goes with being in community. It's almost like a narcotic, right? Yeah. The community feels even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely fellowship. Definitely yeah. fellowship. Absolutely. And, and we're kind of laying the foundation in seminary for what we hope to see in the church one day, mm-hmm. whatever church means for us. Cause not everyone at union, I feel like especially in the last several years is not pursuing parish ministry. Right. Right. And so whatever church looks like for that person, we're building that foundation during our time as a student. And when I talk to a potential students as they're going through the discernment process, that's one of the things I mm-hmm. try to stress is that we help prepare you not just for one type of ministry. And many people, as you know, come to school, they don't know what kind of ministry they want to oh, go yeah. in. They're called into leadership, um, they're called into service for God, but they don't know what that service looks like. And during their three years there, um, many people decide that's where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And some people come in saying, you know, I don't want to be a pastoral uh, leader. I don't want to be in a church. And then end up finding themselves called to church leadership. Yeah. And, uh, you know one at this church, as a matter of fact, yeah. uh, who uh, I think during her time in seminary, that wasn't really her sense of call, but she's become a wonderful pastor. Um, in con- and now this is her second congregation. Yeah, um, and there are others who come uh, thinking that that's what they want to do: be pastors, and then end up being wonderful chaplains or educators. I have correspondence now with one of our uh, military chaplains who's on the other side of the country, and I get um, with many others he sends, but I'm in his email list. These monthly updates, and I've been learning and watching about uh, the gifts and the challenges of being a chaplain for the army. Mm. Um, and I had, you know, I've talked to chaplains before, but, um, this is the first time I've been able to watch someone graduate from seminary mm-hmm. for a little while, be a pastor of a church, and then now experiencing ministry and pastoral leadership through the lens of developing himself as a chaplain to young men and women who are trying to find their way mm-hmm. in the midst of a very intense environment in yes. the military. So I've been excited to listen to our alums and hear their experiences. I've had alums who've been, one, uh, they left their church and they bought a boat, and for a year <laughs> they were lived on a boat. It was interesting to talk with them through that experience. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so whether our alums end up in churches, end up teaching as professors, end up as chaplains in hospitals or in the military or in nonprofits, I'm just mm-hmm. really excited about the wonderful variety of uh, ministry opportunities our students take advantage of when mm-hmm. they leave. That's been one of the, the most exciting things for me. We help prepare people, whatever their sense of call is, we help give them the nurture they need to go out and do that call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk a little bit about what it's been like to be in your position, trying to lead this academic institution in the midst of a global pandemic. We've talked about, you know, connection and how important, how important community is, but surely those things were affected over the last year, year and a half. So tell us what your experience has been like doing that and how you adapted. Well, it has been very impactful in positive and in negative ways. The negative Mm -hmm. ways, of course, is that we weren't able to continue to nurture the physical kind of community on both campuses that we're used to and um, have been really important for our students and faculty and staff. The gift, though, is that we learned how to do... um, virtual theological education, and many of us were concerned that we would not be able to do that as well as we ended up being able to do. Mm -hmm. 
We had a pilot program several years ago before anyone envisioned a pandemic where we asked every professor to teach a course in a hybrid online format so mm. that we could begin to think about whether that was a part of the future of Union Seminary. Mm-hmm. That went well. Um, there were faculty members who didn't believe that they would be able to do theological education to teach a course in a helpful, positive way online. Mm-hmm. And yet many found out that that was something that they were both excited about and they saw students who were excited. And you can imagine if you're a student, particularly the more introverted students, it gives them an opportunity to be able to think about what they want to say before it goes into print and yeah. goes into the classroom conversation. Yeah. So we were able to do that um, well because of the background. So we could shift from... It wasn't easy, but we were able to shift one day we are doing education in the classroom to the next day we're teaching through computers and Zoom and other kinds Mm -hmm. of virtual technologies. I think we did that very well. The response from students has been that they felt that they were still able to connect with their faculty um, and with their other students. One of the things that was interesting for us that you might appreciate is that students in Charlotte were able to be in class with students in Richmond and vice versa because we were meeting in a virtual classroom. So that, for the very first time, um, I saw, except in travel seminars where that happened, Mm -hmm. this was the very first time I was able to see students in those two different campuses engage with one another and Mm -hmm. also for students to have access in Richmond to Charlotte faculty and Charlotte students to have access to Richmond faculty. That was a gift. We're trying to figure out how we might continue that post-pandemic as we go back to in-person classes. So that was one of the gifts of the pandemic. The negative, of course, is that we were no longer able to be with each other in person. Mm -hmm. And we are planning to do that. We are making plans to be back in person starting in September. Faculty and staff have already um, started to work back on campus. We now have the added difficulty of what's happening with the Delta variant, and so mm-hmm. that's complicating things. So the, the difficulty for me as an administrator has been trying to adapt in creative ways that were for the upbuilding of the community mm-hmm. and to keep morale high um, while we were trying to figure out um, what our next move was going to be as we adapted to what the virus was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that word adapt is really important to lift up. Um, I was in one of the graduating classes that experienced a little bit of the virtual learning. Mm -hmm. I only had about three months of virtual learning, um, fortunately, in my experience. And um, that experience helped kind of prepare me for that mindset of adapting. Because mm-hmm. in ministry, we have to adapt all the time. Yes, and right. we talk about it here at Second as a staff a lot, the importance of adapting. I didn't know, I didn't anticipate that that would be as necessary as it has been <laughs> over the last year, year and a half. But um, I think that that's an important lesson for the students to be able to grasp early before they enter the ministry field that the importance of adapting, mm-hmm. especially for, you know, people who like plans like myself. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I think I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, that Union was one of the first institutions in the Richmond area to um, require vaccinations for all faculty, students, and staff, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's an important, I mean, and that made like some local headlines. It did. It still does. We are still listed as one of the schools that made that decision early on. And now, of course, you know, more and more schools are following suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. VCU is, 
um, just down the street. So and are, my alma mater, William Murray, has I, they have yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So you've touched on this a little bit, but as you move forward and kind of leave the virtual learning experiences behind you just a little bit, I think that you'll continue to adapt mm-hmm. moving forward. But uh, what are you most looking forward to in this new school year? I'm looking forward to students being able to engage with one another on campus. Yes. Even if it's masked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will have to happen for a while. We've required vaccinations, but we're trying to be even more careful than the CDC and the state governments require. So we're asking students when they're in the classroom to mm-hmm. continue to wear their masks. Not outside, but but for me, that's number one. I have just really missed seeing students on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to my office um, not every day during the pandemic, but I would go once or twice a week. And it's just really heartrending to um, nobody's there. Yeah. Not to walk into people and say, hello, how are things going? Or, you know, that type of thing to see the library only by reservation. So Mm -hmm. very quiet and and over on that part of campus and to see Richmond Hall, you know, in the holiness dining room, just no one. Um, So that's been hard for all of us. And I'm looking for, that's for me, the number one thing to Mm -hmm. see people back together on both campuses. Mm -hmm. So we'll have convocation here in Richmond. I'm looking forward to that and then I'm going to drive down to Charlotte and be a part of convocation there. Oh, good. Um, I good. also will look forward to being able, you know, I don't teach my own classes a lot because of my travel schedule and yeah. administrative duties, but I come in and I lecture in the Intro to New Testament mm-hmm. class, for example. So I'm looking forward to doing the Gospel of Mark this time and uh, being able to meet new students. I didn't get to meet the first, the first who were, they were last year, first level students. Now yeah. they're second level students. You haven't even met them in I, person. Not, not in person. Most of them, uh, some are maybe two or three in person, but I've seen them on Zoom. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to that and then greeting the new um, first level students to come. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited about seeing them begin to start their yeah. um, seminary careers, both in Richmond and in Charlotte. So yeah. for me, that's number one. Yeah. Uh, number two is helping to continue to encourage faculty to um, help them uh, um um, reach the kind of potential they want to reach in using the, both the classroom technologies mm-hmm. and 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 using what they've learned through the year in the pandemic to bring that into the classroom so they're using these technical skills, these mm-hmm. computer skills, these video skills that they've learned and letting them come alive in the classroom in a physical way as well. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about traveling uh, to talk about the seminary and churches. I've done that already, a couple of churches, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward now to um, a full travel schedule starting in September. So I'll it's be preaching. It's full already. It. Wow. It's full already. So I'll be in three churches um, in September and then two churches in October. I can't remember what it looks like in November, but so I'm I'm back on the road. Um, okay. um, worship services on Sundays and then um, other kinds of events uh, during the week, um, both in right in the right starting from September and on. So I'm looking forward to being with people again in congregations. And you're an introvert. So and I'm an introvert. <laughs> That's right. I'm a, I'm a significant introvert. So um, even I am ready to yeah, have people. Yeah, even you are ready. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's right. We I think we all like no matter you know, introvert or extrovert, everyone's a little thirsty for some human connection. We literally need it to survive. Yeah, we're social beings. And as Christians, you know, 
hospitality and social interaction are a part of what the transmission of the gospel is all about. Exactly. Exactly. Well, with the time we have left, um, I'm wondering if you can catch us up a little bit on any research you're currently doing or projects you have going on right now. You know, we mentioned the significant scholarship you have done thus far in your career, but do you have anything on the horizon that you can share with us? Well, um, there are a few things. I had study leave uh, this summer for a couple of weeks, and before that I was working on some smaller projects. So I don't know if you know the book Stony the Road We Trod, an African-American um, interpretation, theological interpretive book um, that was done 30 years ago because the 30th edition is now coming out. And wow. I was asked to write the um, introduction for that. So I finished the introduction for that book and it'll be coming out this year. Um, I've also um, written in a published volume that'll be coming out a eulogy for one of my former professors, Kane Hope Felder, and uh, that book will be coming out either the end of this year or next year. Mm. Um, I've also uh, been an, I'm an editor for the new interpretation commentary series, uh, mm-hmm. which came out of Union, um, yeah. and now we're doing a revised a version of that. Online journal, correct. Uh, well, uh, I think there'll be... Um, yeah, for those uh, people who don't know what interpretation is. Oh, oh, interpretation is a journal, yeah. um, but this is the interpretation commentary series, which gotcha. was also a part of um, the Union experience. So these are commentaries on every, books of, every book of the Bible. So people like Lamar wow. Williamson, who yeah. taught at Union, he has the commentary on the Gospel of Mark, for example. Yeah. Um, so we're redoing them. Great. And so one of our graduates um, has just finished uh, the um, commentary on Matthew. I was assigned to him, so I spent time reviewing his commentary, and so that'll be coming. So a new commentary on the Gospel of Matthew will be coming out um, from Mark Allen Powell um, uh, soon. And then I've been working some on my own on the Gospel of Mark, and mm-hmm. looking. I'm trying to do a new creative approach to reading and understanding Mark's Gospel um, and that's how do you new do a me. new and creative approach when you've been doing this work for like forty years? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and it, it, it's a struggle. That's, that's yeah. to be sure. But I, I'm trying to do somewhat of a, looking at it from the perspective of a theological memoir, um, oh, and okay. and, uh, and working with Mark in that way in a creative way that combines both the scholarship yeah. that I like to do in Mark but also um, in a way that will be um, accessible to and important for people in the church. So not just speaking mm-hmm. to scholars and seminary students in this case, but mm-hmm. hopefully opening up Mark yeah, in some people. new ways for the church. Yeah. 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 Well, if anyone needs to get excited about the gospel of Mark, Brian Blunt is the man to help you do that. He can talk about it so easily and his face just lights up and his energy is there. And it's, I remember, I will never forget that lecture you gave in our class Oh, my second year in seminary, um, it was just very moving. And, oh, good. and your passion is just is so present the entire time you're talking about it. So if you are looking for a resource on that gospel in particular, he's your guy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that all sounds really exciting. A lot to look forward to. And I hope that you did get some Sabbath time this summer with all of that work to do. Um, cause it's important to rest as well. It is, it is. Yeah. And I did, and I did get, um, I have a, one more, um, bit of Sabbath time before school starts. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. That. When is the first day of classes? September 7th, I believe. Okay. So we will, we have a uh, faculty retreat September 1st and 2nd, and then the very next week, um, orientation and then yeah. classes start. And several new faculty members to welcome, correct? Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, Ruben Arjona, um, and, um, pastor 
pastoral care. Yeah. And but his first year was a virtual year. That's right. So he's yeah. so he's not really new in the sense that he's been with us a year, but he's not been on campus. And he hasn't been here. That's yeah. right. He hadn't been here. Um, so we also have called just now um, Safwat Marzouk in mm-hmm. Old Testament. Um, mm-hmm. He'll be beginning. So he's really new. He's so very this is, new. And Lakeisha Lockhart in Christian Education, mm-hmm. also very new. Mm-hmm. And we have an extern from Vanderbilt who will be, she's finishing her dissertation yeah, and she'll almond. be mentoring Almond Sin. Yes. She has been attending this church, actually. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. Little side note. So yeah. those of us that, um, those of you that worship with this congregation will recognize that name because mm-hmm. she's been here regularly. So she'll be teaching Old Testament for us in uh, this year, working, yeah. mentoring with Sam Adams. Wonderful. Who's also, um, uh, also he and Helen here. come here. That's yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. Wonderful. Well, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about your work, your work with the students, the students, what it's like for them um, before we wrap up? Well, I hope that for students, they feel that when they leave seminary, that they are equipped to be able to challenge and adapt in the ways you've talked about. Mm-hmm. We can't do, as you know, and as I know, I did three years of seminary. You can't teach everything everyone needs to oh, know no. in the three years. Even though that sounds like a long time, it's not really long enough to do everything you want to do. The discernment just gets started there. Yes, it does. Is yeah. what I've, I've identified. But we, what we hope is that we create that um, insatiable desire for mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. and that that becomes the foundation for you to help others want to learn Mm -hmm. and that uh, you are able and equipped to use resources to teach and preach um, and engage in community um, activities Mm -hmm. in a way that's uh, nurturing and equipping for others. So what we hope is that we create a baseline Mm -hmm. um, that then uh, enables you to jump forward. And that's what's most exciting for me as a teacher and as a president of the seminary, Mm -hmm. trying to have a vision for how we can do that better so that we can create a better experience that enables you to have a better baseline to build upon for your ministry. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Blunt. It's been so great having you here and hearing you talk about the work you're doing and what is ahead for the seminary. It sounds like it's going to be an exciting year with new faces, two new classes, several new faculty and new um, you know, learning opportunities. So I'm excited to hear what comes of this school year. No, oh, thank you. I'm I, uh, and uh, uh, I just told someone today. I think we're poised at the seminary for the next um, ten years after we move from the pandemic, and we will. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're poised to just kind of um, jump in some significant ways. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about the future for us. Good. Me yeah. too. Me yeah. too. I'm excited to be along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Second Serving with Dr. Brian Blunt. Again, we are grateful for his time. And if you are discerning a call to theological education, there is a wonderful option here in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, we looked ahead. Look forward to having you here. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Blunt. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for listening to this episode of Second Serving. This podcast is produced by Bo Jacob and myself. We hope that you will join us next time. But until then, keep listening, keep growing, and never stop learning. Peace, friends.